I get so much from being on this side, right. and I'm sure you do too, and I learn so much by picking and choosing who I have in that seat, and I can pick their minds, and I'm like, gosh, I am so lucky, mm-hmm. and I'm growing as the podcast is growing, right? and it's just such a beautiful thing, which is where I wanted to go was the difference in what I do compared to what you do because some people come up to me hey dude you know there's other people doing that and i'm like oh my gosh yeah dude they've been on my podcast and i've been on theirs Mm -hmm. you know right and it's just like we're a network and we'll get into the network in a little bit but journalism versus just what i do you put in the work but you you know i mean i think that the popular misconception is that you know there is a you know there is a practice to journalism you know, that, that is, that's there that I've practiced for a long time. And, and, uh, do I adhere to everything that is in the orthodoxy of journalism? Not necessarily, but I, I believe very much in the standard that journalism is one of those things that, you know, anybody can, can do to a certain degree. I mean, if you think about the fundamentals of what this podcast stands for, it, it's, it's about having that conversation with somebody in your community. That's journalism 101. You're interviewing somebody about their interests or their uh, or, or their feelings about something, wow. and that is that is a fundamental part of journalism. You're not maybe writing from it, although you could if you you know, and that's another whole part of what I do. But um, the, the 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 key part for you is like, yes, you're doing journalism, you know. Um, because you know you're telling stories and that's that's at the end of the day you're giving context a greater context to our, wow. our community I, I never viewed it like that and i yeah. appreciate you for for uh opening my eyes i guess i'm a journalist now y'all <laughs> but um so being in your field mm-hmm. i mean y- you said it on the last podcast you never thought you know the kirk county lead would be in existence no, I mean, I, I think it took me a long time. I mean, I, I always say it too, kind of jokingly, but I mean, the truth of it is, is that I think it took me a long time to realize that I just was not interested in working for people who were were that just didn't understand what I was, how I was constructed to to, to move and stuff. And I've had a lot of roles in my career, you know, both kind of an executive level roles and you know, leadership roles. And I mean, I've been an editor now, you know, basically for, you know, 20 some years and, and, or at least in a, you know, senior level editing role. Um, and, and I finally got fed up with how journalism was proceeding. And, and, and I was moved into digital journalism in 2005 um, like I was just told, like, hey, you're going to do this. And I'm like, all right, mm. I'll figure it out. And um, there was a lot of eye-opening moments. And we started podcasting, you know, back then, 20 years ago, uh, or 18 years ago, I guess. And, and But, I, you know, we quickly moved to video, and we did a lot of different things. There was a lot of lessons that we learned. But I was always having these people above me saying, oh, you can't do that. or No, we're not going to do that. And, and I was like, I, I just came up with my own sort of strategy through the years, like, one, you have to be present, you know, to be, you know, in community journalism. You got to be present. You got to mm. be everywhere you can. People need to know that that they're going to see you out and about, which I think we accomplished. And and you know, I was told at one point like, oh, that's not realistic. I'm like, why not? 
why not is it not realistic for for you know us in the newspaper business to be leaders which is the next part of that too and by that presence in the community you you kind of become a de facto leader on things in in, in your community and then, and then the other part is habituation is that you know you have to like my goal is is to touch people every single day um, in some capacity, either with the webcast, which is Monday through Friday, the email newsletter, which is Monday through Friday, the website, which is available, you know, every, every day or, you know, our social media presence. And so, you know, those are the, those are the fundamentals that I, I practice. And I, I don't have anybody above me, like second guessing me about stuff. And yeah. like, you know, I mean, I've worked with some truly, you know, spectacular, and I got caution for using this word, but I'm going to say it. I've been working, I've worked with some truly spectacular idiots. And this is the first time in my life where I don't have to adhere to their, you know, their drama and their garbage and their, you know, lack of understanding of what we're trying to do. And it, it, it pays off in the results. And I have the analytics to back it up both, I think, you know, from an audience perspective and then from a financial perspective as well. So... It, at this point in time, mm -hmm. with the internet, with uh, the power of you know an iPhone, with the power of social media, mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. Journalists back in the day didn't have that opportunity to break away like you did. Yeah, no. I mean, they were looking at you know you know part of the re reason why newspapers were um, the way they were for so long was that there was no other medium out there. There was radio and there was TV and. Radio and TV, you know, everyone thought they were going to kill off the newspapers, and they really didn't. Um, the The newspapers, you know, even here in Kerrville, the Kerrville Daily Times at one time, um, was, uh, a, you know, probably a highly profitable newspaper. But the challenge with that is that, you know, you had to have an expensive infrastructure to put that in there. And, subs and, and out of that, you know, expense or that investment, it's made these institutions less nimble. And so, you know, I can go out and do things that they can't do or are not willing to do because of, of you know, practice and and policy and for more, more for you know better or worse, and you know that's a significant change in how we were able to do things, and I, I think ultimately, like I said, you get to a point too, like in the entrepreneurial journey, where you know you're like you're just like, why am I continually dealing with these mm -hmm. goofballs, you know, at the corporate level. Or the man senior management level, I know what I'm doing. I can figure this out, uh, and it's taken a while. And I, and I got some, you know, I got some help along the way. I mean, it, it, you got to have some money behind you to help get get it going. Yeah. But I think it's those other those other principles that I've adhered to that have helped us kind of get the lead to a position where, you know, we're in position to be, you know, probably a market leader, you know, across multiple platforms. Have you noticed the I mean, the ratings going down on these big box networks, mm -hmm. not just newspaper, but I'm talking about TV stations. Yeah. And I think people are just tired of the like like you were. I mean, the, you go out and you as a, as a journalist, you get the story. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's filtered by the time the public sees it. Right. And and you're like, what the heck, man? Yeah. I had a story and, and, and you sh messed with it. Yeah. And I think that an agenda, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, you're being fed something. Mm -hmm. But with you, I mean, I see you on the ground. I see you in the courtroom. I see you at City Hall. I see you everywhere. Right. And you were covering these stories. And 
you're just telling it like it is. Whether you like him or hate him, he's there. Yep. A- and and how do you deal with that? Well, I mean, it's tough. I mean, you know, and, and, and you, you constantly there's there's a movement afoot. There's a couple questions in there. Yeah, but, man, I'll, I'll I, I just That's went right. off on a rant because uh, no, I'm just I mean, excited you're on. Man. Well, let me just say this. Let me go back to your first part of this, too. It's like, you know, we're in a time shifted environment now. And podcasting is partially responsible for that because the nature of podcasting is that um, that you know it can be listened to anytime. You know, you can you can download that content, you can listen to it while you drive. Um, you know, I'm a podcast listener. When I if I was commuting, I'd be listening to podcasts all the time. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the things that's happened is that you know you look back in the day when we had just basic tv you know it's like the mash um, example you know the last episode of mash had some you know huge number of people watching it right they'll never have ratings like that probably again because you know one we're also we're in a a time shifted world where people don't do appointment viewing uh but we actually are in a world of greater consumption of media if you think about it I mean, there's videos on YouTube that have had billions of hits. Yes. You know, um, there are there are people on YouTube, YouTubers who are making more money than some uh, movie stars now, uh, and so that's kind of where we've gone. And so, you know, the, the 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 pleasure is that you have a niche that you can you can hit upon. The challenge is that. Back in the day, we got our news from like four or five sources. You know, your local t- your local newspaper, you know, a radio station possibly, and your TV news outlets. Now we have, you know, news kind of cu- customized for every person. Um, you know, if you like Fox News, you go to Fox. If you don't like Fox News, think they're liberal, you can go to Newsmax or one of those other OAN. You know, they're very hard conservative. Um, if you're liberal, you know, you can go to MSNBC. Um, CNN's in a really big thing, but even all those stations, though, right? You know, you look at their ratings. Uh, there's news webcasters on on YouTube that have larger audiences. You know, depending on some of the some of some of the um, groups that are making pr- pretty good money now, that YouTube has got a you know kind of a monetization strategy attached to it to make it work. Now, for me here, I mean, I'm still delivering what I call general interest news, and so. There's a couple areas I don't cover very well. I don't cover them intentionally. Uh, high school sports is one because I just don't have the time at this point in my life to dedicate to high school sports, which is kind of weird for me because I really love high school sports. Mm-hmm. But I just don't have the I don't have the energy for it because there's just too much of it. You know, that's where you started. That's where I started. I started my career as a high school sports reporter, and um, you know, and so I I do things sometimes like you have to kind of be strategic in how you pick and choose things. And um, so I cover Shriner. You know, no one's covering Shriner. You know, and it's pretty easy to cover them. You know, they have all the stats online, and I go and cover them. And every once in a while, you have a really interesting story coming out of it as well. So um, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed their run in the NCAA tournament. It was a lot of fun to go cover that again. And uh, they should have won their game against Mary Hardin Baylor. I'm just going to say that. Um, but they that it was it was a it was a lot of fun to to be able to do that and no and no one else did it you know you know and so that was a, that was a key thing you know there's people out there I mean I have to say this I have limited patience you know personally mm. for some of the shenanigans that go on here at times you know some of these 
some of this book banning stuff. It's just hard. It's hard to, to, you know, wrap your head around it mm. before it's like, you know, look, you don't like it. Don't read it. You know, yeah. you don't like me. Don't read me. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. You yeah. know, cause on one hand they're like freedom of speech. And on the other hand, and I'm not saying they, as in I'm trying to categorize mm-hmm. myself and, and drop myself into any divot here. Right. But I, I try to view each and every, um, issue that comes up. Right. I used to see it, Lewis, as, hey, what does my party think? Oh, that's mm-hmm. what I think, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But now I view it. I'm, I'm like, okay, what's this issue? What's right? What's wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, some people are like, freedom of speech. And all right, cool. But then, like, you see that stuff out there and, like, we need to ban this. I'm like, oh, okay. I thought, right. you know. <laughs> and then some people are like, freedom of speech. That's great. Oh, man, Lewis is, he's putting out some stuff that I don't like, man. We need to, mm-hmm. we need to censor that. Well, what happened to freedom of speech right well and and the real challenge of where we're at with this is that is there a limit to what we can say and do and you know is there is if is that if that's a if there's a limitation on it you know um what does that look like and if there isn't a limitation on it what does that look like Mm. uh can you just say whatever you want you know we have these sort of tests you know part of what we're at right now is um um, in our in our in our own community, we're on the debate about what's pornography, which is a fascinating conversation to have. What what is what defines pornography? The, the Supreme Court in you know the Miller case, um, which is what defines what's obscenity. You know, the community standard for obscenity. It has to be pervasively pornographic, right? Um, like it's just porn for the sake of porn. Maybe there's a and they and a lot of these and back in the day, a lot of these guys got around it, you know, from being from violating obscenity laws by saying, well, we had, you know, forty percent of that had, you know, dialogue and story, and there was a script attached to it, and yeah, there was oh, a yeah. seven and a half minute long sex scene that we added into it. That's you know, that's a hardcore sex scene. Yeah, that was the sort of the Miller test out of that, right? So now though, we have the the people out there who are saying, well. The library is promoting pornography, right? But does it really define what pornography is? For that community that's saying that, yes, you know that it is it is pornography to them. But does it does it meet in the entire community? Would would the entire community agree that that's pornographic? You know, probably not. You know, um, would the entire community agree that Penthouse is pornographic? Probably. Mm-hmm. But there's also enough material in there to say, well, not completely, you know. So, so this is this is really the challenge. And there has been some discussion, right? There's a feeling that the Supreme Court, you know, could go back and revisit the Miller case, and that these are all this sort of this sort of uh, you know backlash against books that are aimed that are aimed at LGBTQ plus you know communities. Um, would you know lead to a challenge what what Miller looks like in the future and there's some thought that you know there's some people that believe that I should be able to say whatever I want including hate speech or violent speech you know and but what does that look like and how mm. and what are our limitations on that you exactly know? There, you know if you had to, if, if if the first amendment was just the wild west of of anything then then what defines what defines is there is there any kind of limit you know, I mean, does that mean that child pornography uh, can't be prosecuted? I'm like, I hope not, because I think it should be prosecuted. Absolutely. Um, so th- it's a, it's a it's an interesting situation that we're in right now. But yet, 
there are people in the community who will try to like make it as simple as possible, right? Of showing something without context. And that I find to be extremely troubling, you know, like, um, there's a political candidate out there right now who's, who's hell bent on, on ridding our schools, libraries of anything that might be offensive in his opinion. And so he'll pick out something that is, um, you know, that has sexual content in it, um, without the context of actually the story. And he picked out one the other day, and we're talking about Brandon Aries running for school board. And he, he, he showed one the other day, and I was like, you know, this is it. There's six, there's six little sentences here. One's about masturbation, and one is about uh, a slur on a Native American that was written in the context of what that kid was, who's a Native American, the central part of the story is about a Native American, and that's what someone told him. Um, there is a, a book out there that's based on a true story here in Texas, and it is, there's a scene where white boys discuss raping a Hispanic girl, right? This is one that we've had people try to read in, this, in the city council meeting. Uh, well, you know, contextually, yeah, there's a scene of rape. There's, a, there's, a, there's, there's, there's dialogue of sort of sexual harassment, sexual assault in that book, no doubt about it. But is that book inherently about that topic, about sexual assault and, and rape? No, it's not. It's about a horrific, you know, uh, explosion that killed like 200 to 300 kids and teachers in the 30s and how the community reacted to it, you know, before and after the, the, the incident. And, at, and that's the kind of stuff that really bugs me, you know, that we have to deal with that. So, At what point are you erasing history to filter out what the children – are learning. I mean, what about what about the Holocaust? What about right. what what side are you on the Holocaust? And does that does that affect the material that these children are are learning? Um, my question to you is, how difficult is it? I mean, there's no Kerr County lead um, course that you can go through and be like, okay, what do I do in this situation? Mm -hmm. So, how difficult is it to keep your personal opinion on a subject or a topic, you know, out of it's journalism. Really, it's really hard, you know, and, and there's a, there's a real discussion about that. You know, it's like, you know, the, the, the mandate of, I mean, you think about newspapers historically, they were organs of, of political parties, you mm. know, before world war two for the most part. That's why you see these these papers called, you know, like up in Sherman, Texas, the Sherman Democrat, you know, that's a, that was a paper that was that was the part. It was a party newspaper. It was a party of the Democrat. It was a paper of the Democrats and the, or the Republican. Let's see that. And that's a Republican. They had very almost every paper in here had, you know, in the in the country had some political slant. And then after World War Two, things began to change professionally in the journalism field. Like, well, we need to be objective. You know, we need to give both sides to the story. And I, and I still believe in that, very much so. But sometimes there's people out there, I'm like, man, holy smokes, why should I give them a voice? You know, yeah. they're just crazy, you yeah. know. And uh, I struggle with that. And there is a the conversation about, you know, is objectivism really, you know, um, help, healthy, you know. And I, and I think one of the things, like, why you see this discussion about the liberal media, you know, happening is that, 
it was really around, you know, I think it really was about abortion, was that there would, there would definitely be, you know, some people see things just so black and white. They're like, okay, you, you, you can't, abortion is totally wrong, right? Gotcha. Thank you for your opinion, right? But what does this guy say? Well, the minute you give that person an opinion. A voice. A voice, then that group's going to say, you shouldn't give them a, 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 a voice, they're baby killers, mm. right? And 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 so so they painted this in you know as you know there's been this sort of liberal backlash there was a lot of backlash against the media and how they went after um, um, Watergate you know Richard Nixon and things like that so I mean you know it's a, it's 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 a tough it's a tough deal I mean can anybody be you know is is journalism perfect of course not you know. Um, it makes it really hard sometimes when you see things like if you watch the movie Spotlight, which is about the Boston Globe, um, there's a character in there. One of the reporters like, really struggles with the idea that these priests, you know, actually all of them struggle with it because Catholicism in Boston goes hand in hand. Right. Struggle with this in their communities, you know, and what that looks like. And it, 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 it is hard. You know, at the end of the day, you got to tell you got to tell the story, you gotta tell the truth, you know, at the end of the day. The best of you, you know, the best that you can, mm-hmm. and uh, that truth was difficult for that community. You know, it's difficult for all of our communities. You know, because it's a, not just a Boston problem. Mm-hmm. You know, pedophilia in the or sexual abuse in the in the in the in the churches. So yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to it, and it is really hard. I mean, I struggle at times in some of these school board meetings and city council meetings, like when people get up to speak, and you're just like, oh, please. Mm-hmm. Like I have the fantasy of having like the Gong Show, right? <laughs> I'd have a three-judge panel. We'd bring Jamie Farr in, and, and if somebody said something dumb, we would just gong them out of there, you know? And, yeah. and it's like, all right, what do the judges say? Bum! You know. Do so. you feel like you have a duty now that you're, you're getting deeper into these topics, you're integrating into the community deeper than you ever have been, mm-hmm. and you're truly becoming emotionally involved in these... Um, I mean, of course you're a journalist, and you got to have those core values of, hey, look, I, I need to present both sides. But do you feel, like you said a second ago, why would I give this crazy guy a voice? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have a duty to push to push what you believe in? Well, I think ultimately what what I believe in is like, what is it fair, you know, to people, you know, uh, that's that's the, the biggest thing that drives me, you know. And so I may disagree with them, but they may have a kid that does something great. And you got to promote that. You got to, you got to, you got to talk about that. You wow. Um, you may not disagree agree with the parent, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, if their kid does something wonderful, you got to, you got to highlight that, you know. Um, and I think that's the, that's the, the, the beauty of this too. It's like, now we are also in this really divisive time and it, it's a struggle mm-hmm. sometimes, you know. So yeah, you're, you know, you, you, you sort of hear the same thing and you're like, like what gets me is like when people just flat out lie about certain things, um, and we've heard that repeatedly in di- different different things, you know, over the last few months. Um, the lie, the bit, the worst one was, you know, like when this, the city was trying to pass their, you know, their public safety bond, right, to build the new police station. Yeah, there was so much lying going on about that from the people who were uh, opposed to it. Like, oh, the city's in a huge amount of debt and all this woe is me. It's like, look, the way that municipalities are structured in America, 
you're not going to get out of debt. You know, it's just the reality of the situation. You know, you can't Dave Ramsey your idea out of it. They've tried that before. Okay. Um, you, you've, you've got to take on debt to, to build these projects, right? Um, Kerrville right now just passed bonds for $12.5 million to start projects, um, to get projects started to, to fix water lines and to fix sewage lines and to, you know, because, you know, in Kerrville we have a challenge of, you know, topography here where, you know, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to manage uh, a lot of what's going on here because the building is, is, is challenging, right? Mm-hmm. And so what do we need to have? Clean water, you know, good water, things like that. Uh, and and we need to have sewage because, you know, quite frankly, septic tanks are kind of gross. So, you know, and what we were seeing was people were like, you know, saying, oh, we're, you know, $60 million in debt. We're going to add another $40 million in debt to build this police station. And it's really bad. And, you know, the city's going to go bankrupt. And it's like, that's not true. You know, that is d- definitively not true because a lot of that money is is paid for of that debt is paid for by water rate payers, right? So you have a water bond and you have, you know, another general obligation bond. Those are very different things, right? But it's enough to scare the hell out of people who don't know. And increasingly people just don't know because, again, we go back to what we were talking about initially, even in Kerrville, right? There is a significant, I would say a majority of the people in this community do not have, do not, subscribe or listen or read they get filtered information they don't they don't they don't they don't look at anything that's local right they don't really have any idea of what's going on so Mm. i feel that um the more you grow the more people are intimidated by you and i feel that um for many many years heck even 10 years ago you weren't really not you personally yeah you weren't accountable for what you said. I mean, if anybody has a cell phone, you can be recorded. Yeah. Uh, you say something on social media. Mm-hmm. If you take funny pictures. It can be you, screenshotted. And, yeah, yes, yeah. it can. If you even have a conversation, you have to be on your P's and Q's now mm-hmm. than you, more than you ever have been in the history, I believe, of mankind. Yeah. And right. I, I think that there's a generation of people who have not been used to that, who have been used to getting away with saying anything, treating people like crap, whatever. And uh, just like you said, um, you know, whatever side it may be, people weren't held accountable for 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 what they said. I mean, and what's you could be fed information that's not true. Right. And what's interesting about this, too, is that you also have, and I see this a lot, and I, I'm, I'm increasingly worried about this phenomenon is this is it's this it's it's men right who feel i don't know i don't want to say disenfranchised but they just don't feel like they are included anymore white men basically right and i love science fiction and fantasy and i really got into i enjoyed the lord of the rings prequel that that was on amazon that amazon spent a huge amount of money on and if you if you watch certain videos on YouTube, and we saw this with Star Wars too, um, where these kind of mega fans who are kind of like I don't know, white guys, you know, uh, react. Didn't like John Boyega. Didn't like D- Daisy Ridley. Didn't like uh, really didn't like Kelly Tran, who was is in the the movies, and just attacked him. You know, racist stuff, sexist stuff. And um, 
And so with Lord of the Rings, the misogyny that came out of that series um, and reaction from people that all they would do is like say, oh, my gosh, why do we have this woman in this role? She can't do that. Or That's so stupid. It's like, or why do we have to have black characters playing dwarves? Nobody knows they're not black. Look, this is fantasy, for crying out loud. Nobody knows what they look like, you know? Um, who cares at the end of the day? Why do you? Why can't we just have the best person? But that that racial identity, you know, gets back gets back to it. Um, and we also are in, in, in an age too where there's this thing about being woke, right? Well, what does that mean? Oh my God, woke! You can't be woke anymore. Um, well, I just think of being woke as like you know, it's a play on, you know, we're we're awakened to the realities of what we've gone through in the past and how sometimes those things are ignored. Mm. I'll give you an example of that. We did a story, I did a story a few weeks ago. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to see my daughter's production of Voices of Doyle. Yeah. Um, you know, that it was a really important project, right? Allison. And Allison put this video together with the help of Clifton Pfeiffer and others. You know, it wasn't just Allison, but um, one of the striking things, though, is that the students... Uh, there's rep- different representations of ages, right? There's some students that never were integrated into the schools in Kerrville, and there was others who then, in 1963, did go to Tyvee, right? But they were not afforded the same opportunities even at Tyvee that that the white kids were told. And there's a really poignant piece in that in that in that uh, documentary where they. Uh, you know, they talk about not being allowed to be in the band because they're black. You know, so the school's integrated. And then, so I was kind of fascinated by that. It's like, because I was always like, well, who's the who's who's the enforcer in Kerrville at this time? Mm. Where's the menace? You know, where is the, where is the, the person that's going to make them? Well, it turns out it was some of the faculty at Tybee High School. Like, We're not going to teach you, right? Okay. Uh, you know, and we got to the point now where those are important things to hear. And I've had guys come up to us who, who went to Tyvee High School, graduated from Tyvee High School, and they said, man, I didn't feel very good about Tyvee at that point. Um, and so that's a significant story, right? That's, that's you're being woken up to the reality of wh- how things were for a class of, 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 of kids. That wasn't even that long ago. 1963, right? And get this, here's a, here's a shock. So I was fascinated by this, right? But I was fascinated by the fact that, you know, what do you remember when you were 16? You know, were you paying attention to what was going on in the school and the politics and all the stuff, right? Or the when you were 16? Uh, I, I really wasn't. But what they found was, what I found was that I wanted to know what was going on with the adults when they were trying to integrate it. Because I'd heard all these stories about how you know, Kerrville was sort of like, uh, you know, it was sort of, it was easy. No, it wasn't. It was not easy. It went on, it went on for, it took them eight years to do it after Brown versus Board of Education. Kerrville was actually one of the first districts in, in, in Texas that wanted to, wanted to integrate. Because what, what they saw, the superintendent at the time saw was like, look, we're going to have a challenge here of breaking up the school district. Okay, if we if we have to basically um, end segregation, but you guys want to keep separate but equal, we have to equalize, right? 
and they're trying to do it in a way that that kind of hammered home the idea the idea that this is not feasible to continue to have separate but but equal education okay because the reality was that if you went to the Doyle school and you were black or you were hispanic right or mostly black at that time about 100 black kids that went to that school uh in the 50s and through the 60s right um the the amount of money that Kerrville Independent School District would spend on you was grossly under what they would spend on the white kids. So I figured out roughly it's about $400 per kid if you went to Starkey and what was then Tybee Elementary School. And Doyle kids got about 100 bucks mm. to spend a year. That's all they paid for, right? So subsequently, you had students from Doyle that were receiving fourth or fifth hand books at that point that are beat up and old. There was no spending. They couldn't get anything built. There was all these complaints from the state about stuff. And, you know, you think about that. It's like, man, KISD probably owes people some money. <laughs> really? Because they shortchanged these kids on their education, you know? So do you believe in reparations? Well, I, so I struggle with that idea, right? It's a very controversial. It's topic. very controversial. Like, how do you put value on that? But when you look at that contemporary, these kids are still alive, right? The people who went to Tyvee, uh, went to Kerrville Independent School District, went to Doyle, right? They were they were deprived of funding for their education. They were guaranteed that, right? The community was deprived of that funding. For one reason and one reason only, because they were black, you know, and that changes the idea to me about reparations. It's like, okay, well, how do you how do you how do you value that, right? Um, and I don't know exactly the funding structure at the time, because you know, remember the community's redlined. So you know, I don't know if 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 Tyvee or if if the Doyle district paid all of their funds, funded the schools at that point. Um, I don't think it, I don't think they did, um, and also because they were redlined, they were worth less, so they they collected less tax revenue than the other district. I mean, it's a very complex wow. issue. Wow. But if you think about it, you can go back and look. And this is like this went on until 1963, and finally in 1963 in Kerrville, they had. And I'll give you another example of this too. When they built Tybee High School in 1960, the the one they just tore down, mm-hmm. uh, they passed a bond. Right. First, they passed a bond. They tried to pass a bond for a million bucks. That failed. In it, there was money for Doyle to fix up Doyle, right? Because Doyle needed stuff. It was badly weathered. It was badly. They could not. They they didn't. They couldn't spend any money to fix it up, right? It had caught on fire at one point. I mean, it was just a mess, right? So they passed a bond uh, for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. They gave Doyle eight. That was it. Eight thousand dollars. Here you go, Doyle. This is nineteen sixty. So by nineteen sixty three, the parents are fed up. There's a there's a community group that's out there. Where did you find all this information? Oh, it's all in the papers back in the yeah. day. Yeah. The Kerrville Daily Times was absolutely in the fifties was absolutely uh, a segregationist newspaper and it was very racist. Wow. Um, the owner of the paper, who was part of the Starkey family, um, ran for the school board in 1956 on a platform of we have to stop segregation, you know. I mean, literally had a full-page ad saying, look, why would we let these black kids are retarded, basically. That's what he said. 
why would we let them be in the same school with our white kids? They're just going to make the white kids dumber. I mean, it was unbelievable, right? And there was always like, it was always like the typical thing you hear now. Well, I'm not racist, but your kids are stupid. So we're not going to, you know, I mean, that's how it was, you know? Yeah. See, the topics like this, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't imagine covering topics like this. I could imagine digging deep into them mm-hmm. and going down the wormhole by myself. But you, and I'm not trying to deter you from this subject. I want to yeah. I want to jump back into this. Yeah. But what I want to point out is how difficult and how much balls and how much how how much guts it takes to take this information and bring it back out to the public and be like, "Hey, look, this is what happened. Um just letting y'all know whether you're for it against it whatever. I mean, I don't see why you should be for it, but here it is." Yep. And it pisses people off. Yeah, of course it does. And and that right there it takes takes a lot of courage. And I just look at it and like, too bad, you know. You know, if you don't want to hear it, I don't want to tell you. You know, if you think that everything was was was, and this isn't just in Kerrville. I mean, this is everywhere in the country. You know. Yeah. You know, reparations is a hard thing to look at, and you know, like San Francisco wants to give like five million dollars to every you know family that was there without really a, a real history of slavery or violence. But you know, people forget that San Francisco had its own racial issues, not just with blacks. Um, and Hispanics, but man, they were awful to the Chinese, you know? And, yeah. and so, so there, there, there is this, I, I don't know. I don't know that reparations directly are, are part of it. Um, but you can certainly make a case that, that they were deprived of their, of their, you know, civil liberties. Yeah. And, and I agree. Yeah. So I agree with that, but I also see it as, you know, you know, you got to look at both sides. Mm-hmm. I was never a slave owner and right. you were never a slave. No. So how do you find that medium? How do you put a dollar value on it? And how do you fix the problem if no one's wanting to do reparations? Yeah. I, I think that's the, the hard thing is that, you know, you know, you, you had a mentality here um, that said, you know, look, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to give those black kids anything. They're going to get, they're going to get a hundred bucks and they should be happy to get it. But the other kids are going to, you know, that's the whole idea of white privilege. And you see that example, you know, pretty clearly. Um, Which is also another controversial mm-hmm. uh Yeah. I topic. mean, you, you, you see that and you're like, you know, I can see, you know, I, I see pretty clearly, you know, white privilege a lot of times. That's another whole story. But I mean, I think that's where you get into those things too. Like, you know, I, I get frustrated with this uh, this narrative that you know you can't have, you know you can't have a conversation like voices of Doyle technically under state law could not be shown at Tyvee, at Tyvee High School today because it's Why? it's woke you know it's it 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 it's going to make white kids feel uncomfortable you know about that and that's in the that's in the law and so and it wouldn't be part of the curriculum so they couldn't show it at all oh, they can't I even see, I see. they I can't see. even show their own history because you know and that's where I think too it's like the history is. You know, history is always so much more complex than we actually give it credit for. So, yeah, and, and it's um, it just makes you wonder. Like sometimes I want to take a time machine and step back and mm-hmm. say, "Who's telling me the story? Is it just the victors mm-hmm. that are telling me the story?" Yeah. Or, I mean, is it really how it is? Like, what yeah. do, what do we believe right now? And this is journalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thousands of years ago. Right. I right. mean, what do we believe right now that was complete BS? Well, I mean, you know, I think the idea that that you know segregation was not, I think there's, I think there's a belief that 
you know, slavery was like, wasn't all that bad. Um, I, I don't think anybody really knows, you know, um, you know, slavery is, is, you know, if you look at, I was listening to a podcast, this is a podcast story for you, uh, of a, of an, a guy that I listened to, who I think was trying to refute the idea of the 1619 project from the New York times. And as he got into the podcast, I could, I could really tell that his mind was changing as he narrated the story or he told the story that he was basically focused on Haiti. Um, and, and, you know, Haiti's a disaster. Um, and it's a disaster for a lot of reasons that are very complex, like decades and decades of foreign intervention and foreign, you know, dictates on how much money they would owe. Mm. But people don't realize that San Domingue, which was the, 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 the island, you know, Haiti's island, and you've got half of it is, uh, is the Dominican Republic and the other half is Haiti. Um, Haiti was like the, the bank for the French empire, you know, they were, they were more, they produced more, um, tradable goods and value than Mexico, Brazil, and Spain's other colonies and France's other colonies. I mean, the new world, I mean, they were the juggernaut of, of exports and it was built off of slaves. And when the slave revolts happened, you know, in the late 1700s, you know, they were, it scared the hell out of a lot of people, you know, and, a lot of those slave owners came to the one place where slavery was being, you know, was being, um, was still in existence. And that was in the, you know, the United States. And they, the lessons learned were these guys aren't going to learn how to read and write. Uh, we're going to have chattel slavery forever. We're going to have, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating conversation to look at, but anyway, this podcaster I could tell just gained more and more, acknowledgement that this is far worse than I think we even understand. Mm. So, um, and that's part of the thing. And it's like, you know, part of journalism to me is also educating people and telling stories that are out there. You know, we're going to see some stories come out all the time of things that happened in the past that we didn't know about, that we didn't understand. Uh, you know, like we talked about spotlight, right? Mm -hmm. the, the church abuse stuff. Like, they're still coming out with stuff. You know, just the other day, you know, Maryland uncovered there were 600 children abused by Catholic priests, you know, and they didn't know about it. Hmm. So there's still things that are happening all the time. Uh, what do you say to those people who you provide the information to? There's, there's no doubt about it that the information is correct. Mm -hmm. But who are married to their ideas and ideology mm -hmm. and who, whose life would dramatically change if this information was correct or if they were to accept this information as correct right do you run across that yes i mean you 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 know we had a story here uh, that there was a um a guy here in kerrville many years ago uh, who claimed to be the last one of the last confederate survivors of the battle of gettysburg and um one of the things you see a lot is stolen valor, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, this particular person uh, essentially had assumed his father's identity. His father was a Civil War veteran, but this guy wasn't. Um, in fact, the more he told the story, they're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, the only Texans at this in Gettysburg were John Bell's Hood 
you know group and I think there was mostly artillery and John Bell Hood's you know divisions were pretty much wiped out you know charging up a uh, little round top um and so this person got basically got a pension from the state of Texas lived in Kerrville would go to all the Confederate you know events you know um bragged about his service but he wasn't he didn't serve and so I never really got around to finishing this story because it was it was in the time when I was the Curl of the other times and I just had so much going on. But mm. the story was, there was, the woman who was related to him was furious that we were looking into it, and it's like, look, man, we're not trying to we're not we're just trying to be truthful here. This guy does not deserve to be buried in the Confederate you know cemetery. He did not serve, you know, like. You know, that's not that's not that's not honorable. Was he claiming to He was claiming to be a veteran. Really? Yeah. So and and the woman that was like, Well, I don't you know, I, I don't I don't want I don't want anything to change about him. And it's like, but he it isn't truthful. It know? goes back to the access to information we have now. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is every, we have so much more access to information now than we ever did before. And it's so much more it, you know, you can you can you can get it back in just a matter of minutes. So exactly. Yeah, I mean, you see, I could be like, "Hey, my cousin's Brad Pitt." Mm -hmm. I used to, you know, be yeah. on the yacht with him, and right. yeah. But who the hell's gonna call me out on it and, mm -hmm. and find out different? Yeah. Now, just just on this, we right. can find out in, right. in a matter of a minute. Yep. And um, you know, it, that stolen valor. People, well, I was in Vietnam. You know, that's great. Thank mm -hmm. you for your service. And sometimes they're not. Yeah. I was in Vietnam, right? But then you also have to say, well, what does that mean that you were in Vietnam? Well, I was in the Vietnam era. So you see a lot of veterans will try to explain that. It's like, well, I never went, never went overseas. And only a small number saw combat, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's a pretty interesting, yeah, that's a huge one. You know, now you can, you can search them up. You know, a lot of them have, you know, regimental histories are online now or, you know, battalions or division histories. And you can see where they were at. You know, and those are all kept. You know, I I was working on a project uh, on and off for the last few years, and I was able to track an ancestor day by day just by the regimental returns mm. for the U.S. Army. So yeah, it, it's 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 there, and it's and it's I can access it just about anywhere anymore. There's an ex Navy SEAL named Don Shipley. Mm -hmm. He calls he calls out all these because everybody you know Navy SEALs of course. Yeah. And uh, if you're gonna steal valor, you're gonna say you're a Navy SEAL. You know. Yeah. Right. And Don Shipley he calls these people out, and these people you know are usually in their 60s, mm -hmm. and they're usually in their hometown heroes, going to parades, going yeah. to you know going to the schools, talking about their time, wearing mm -hmm. the hat, wearing the trident, like. And he calls them out and shatters their worlds. Yeah. And it's very embarrassing, even yeah. for the viewer. You're yeah. like, oh, my god. Yeah, it's harsh. It's like, oh, man. But you deserve it at the same time. <laughs> you know? so. Okay. Um, who is a dream guest of yours to have on? And you're one of mine. You know, I know you're a reoccurring guest, but Thank you. really, um, it's, it's an honor to have you on. Thank you. But uh, who's a dream guest of yours? I would love to have a conversation with Dan Rather at some point. You know, he's from he lives in Austin. I don't know if we'll ever do that. I think it'd be fun to talk to McConaughey just on Matthew McConaughey. On, oh, on, man. I love his energy. You know, uh, just on Texas and why he roots here, you know. Um, and, you know, it's like, hey, man, it's just a quick drive out to Kerrville. Come on out and you know, hang out with us for a morning. Yeah. 
I'll put you up in the YO for the night, you know. <laughs> so, or you can bring your Airstream, whatever you can do, you know. Man. So that'd be great, you know. I don't know. I I just like talking to people here in town for the most part. Yeah. You know, I mean, I love talking to you know Leslie Jones over at you know she's my my buddy, you know, yeah. over at the. Kerrville Convention Visitors Bureau and Julie Davis, the Kerrville Convention Visitors Bureau. and They're both rock stars. We had Karen Guerrero on the show today at Kerrville Pits Alive, and she yeah. was irritated with me within five seconds of being on the show. <laughs> so I don't really have, I, you know, I, I, I don't really, I mean, I kind of get them as, I, as they come. Uh, it's fun to talk to Robert O'Keefe, you know, when he's been on in, in the past. That's so, wonderful. He was yeah. just up here the other day. Yeah, I saw that. That was cool. That is you know, did you ever think that through the Kerr County lead, you would have built the relationships that you now have? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think that I always have had great relationships with people and I have a lot of friends and some great experiences and, you know, uh, you know, built a, um, I've always tried to be accessible and approachable. So part of me says yes, but you know, I think that, I think the thing I like about Texas and Kerrville is that, you know, it's unexpected in a lot of ways. You know, some of the people that we met here, it's been very, it's very unexpected. And, um, you know, you know I, I was called out the other day for, you know, being a Californian. And it's like, yeah, but I like it here. You know, nope. I don't care about your politics and stuff. You know, I think that's stupid. And I think this whole idea of, you know, don't California, my Texas stuff is ridiculous. Mm. You're already doing it. You know, I don't, we don't, I don't need to help you with that. You yeah. know, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where, um, like I said, I just I just enjoy being here. You know, there's a lot to like what's going on here in, in Kerrville. I have clients from California, and and they want nothing more than to be here in the hill country, mm. be, be in Kerrville, and 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 just enjoy what we have. Yeah, and I, I would too if I, if, yeah. if if I was from anywhere else and I came to Kerrville, saw the rivers, met the people, you know, saw the hills, I'd be like, man, mm. I'd like to live here. Yeah, and, yeah, and I don't people would ask them. me that all the time. It's like, um. I've asked it and I've said this before, but it's like, well, isn't it like California here? I'm like, no, it's not. It's nothing like California. You're from SoCal, right? Yeah, I go, the first off, there's a river running through it that's not trying to kill you or f flooding like, like you know, you know, it, it's that's absolutely gorgeous. Um, we don't have that, you know, we don't have that. You know, most of the rivers are dammed up and, and when they are full, they're trying to kill you. And so... Um, so we don't have that. I mean, there's things that I miss, you know, um, with uh, with California, but I don't miss the traffic. I don't miss all the people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the 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 weather was perfect yeah. off that Pacific. I was stationed in Coronado. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you know all about the weather then. Oh, so. beautiful. Yeah. Water's cold as hell though. Right. But, the Pacific's cold. Um. So before we go, mm -hmm. I. What is your goal? Oh, last question. Honestly, this okay. is something that is for me. What advice do you have to for me to have a guest on who who I don't align with their beliefs or views, but I really want them on and I want I want to hear and learn from them and the mentality that I I on, can only have people on who align with my beliefs. Right. You know? I mean I, I deal with some of that. There's people on that like like I'm like I'm not gonna I don't want to talk to them, you know? Yeah. I mean at the end of the day though, I, I think um the biggest thing is just finding commonality with folks. You know, um, there are people in this community, in this world, who everything they see is is envisioned through the color of politics, mm -hmm. right? And I don't understand that personally. You know, like we can talk about food and travel and 
and all sorts of interesting things, you know. Um, and, you know, it's like I, I had a a friend of mine from California whose daughter wanted to go to the University of Texas, and she ended up not going there. But I was like, that's cool, you know. You should you should come out and, and, and experience it. I think it's good to go out and experience um, things. So I think if you find commonality, it, it's amazing how many times you're like in a conversation, you'll find some kind of like little nugget of something and, you know, Oh, okay. I got you there. You know, I understand. Mm. Um, and you, you get in there and, you know, Andrew Gay with our, with our podcast network. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's into working out. I can relate to that. I'm not anymore, but I can appreciate it mm. and we can talk about it, you know? And so, and Gilbert Pies and I, at Hill Country, Texas Country Advisors always have great conversations about yeah. stuff. So I think it's just finding a little bit of commonality and then and then building upon that. Yeah, they're they're reoccurring guests on here as well. Um, the the Hill Country Podcast Network is um, is something that we promoted like three or four episodes. Mm-hmm. Gosh, ten episodes ago. Yeah. We're, we're blowing through them. But um, the Hill Country Podcast Network is a network for podcasters here in the Hill Country. Right. I mean, it's right in the name. And I didn't know that you are. You know, you're in on it too. Yeah, I'm in on it too. Uh, I got a quarter quarter percent of it, so they dragged you they into dragged it. me into it. So I think yeah. it's cool, man. Yeah. Well, I think uh, it's cool. I'm a member. Yep. Good. Good to know. Good to know. And what about those people who want to do a podcast but they don't know how to do it? They don't have the equipment and all that stuff. Well, I mean, I think uh, between yourself and Andrew, um, you know, even myself, I have another show that we do. There's people out there to help. Yeah. You know. Um, and, you know, ultimately, like, I, I like to guide people and th- things, you know. And so, you know, if you have a good idea, you have a story to tell, then then share. A lot of times, like, you know, for if you're a small business owner, it's just those little testimonials. Yes. You know, so. That is the best content. Yeah. I really don't, like, I don't have to reach out to other, you know, Fredericksburg, Bandera, wherever. We have so much content and mm-hmm. story and history right here that I just, I mean, even reoccurring guests, hey, how the heck did you do in this past year? Mm-hmm. What's changed? So much has changed. Right. You know, right. so much has changed. And um, it is such an honor to have you on. Um, I'll ask you again the same thing I asked last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had many guests on since you were on last. Mm-hmm. And I've had uh, rich people, people, people like me, you know, f- financially wealthy, everybody in between. And happiness, I have a different perspective, a different view of happiness. Mm-hmm. What does happiness mean to you? Well, I think happiness means is always that job well done. You know, you know, are we doing are we doing you know subsequent work here that matters? And and I feel like we are. And and that and and I do find we talked about joy a little bit. I find the nice thing about doing what I do, and I think it helps insulate me from burnout is that I really fundamentally enjoy, you know, photographing people or doing a video or having a conversation with somebody. So sometimes, like, it's a tough to get up and go go down to Pine and Plow in the mornings when you're feeling a little bit tired because you've been mm-hmm. writing all night. Um, that was my case this morning, you know. But the reality of it is, is that I feel good about what we're doing and where we're headed. So, Thank you for what you do for the community. Thank it you. It's such an honor to have you on. It's a good looking hand, too, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I no. appreciate it. I know you can't throw a stick and curve without hitting a realtor, but right, I know. I'll, I'll get you one. It'll tick a lot of people off, ruffle right. up some feathers. There you go. There you go. All right. Mr. Right. Louis Amistoy, really, thank you. thank you for what you do. And I'd be honored to have you back on any 
in a year, less than a year, whenever you're ready. All right, sounds good. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Well done.